Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Cosmos, Cosmos Space-Time Odyssey, and Cosmos Possible Worlds. Space-Time Odyssey, Episode 2, titled, Some of the Things That Molecules Do. Uh, Alright, yet another fantastic, fantastic episode. Uh, This time all about uh, life on Earth and how it evolved and uh, the whole history of all that stuff. Uh, And it starts off with just a perfect exploration of artificial selection uh, by telling the stories of uh, by telling the story of how dogs were created, uh, how there were certain wolves that had like less stress hormones and were thereby less afraid of humans, so they went up to them and ate their table scraps, and then they started to hang around, because they're like, oh, I get a steady meal if I hang out with humans. And in exchange, humans got uh, security and friendship and all of that. And then over the generations, like, their appearance started to change. Cuteness became a factor in their survival. The cuter you were, uh, the more likely it would be that a human would take care of you and give you that steady meal. Uh, and then eventually, like, they completely diverged from wolves entirely, became dogs. Uh, we killed the ones who were disobedient. We bred the ones who were. We bred certain types of dogs together to get the different breeds we have. And then, fast forward today, we have all these different breeds of dogs uh, that we kind of <laughs> that we kind of brought into existence through, like, 20,000 years, I think it was, of artificial selection. Of human-influenced evolution. And honestly, it's a, such a perfect way to explain that concept. Such a relatable way, because everyone likes dogs, to explain that concept. That honestly, I'm kind of shocked that Carl Sagan didn't do it in the original. I'm honestly kind of shocked that Carl Sagan did not think to go there. Uh, but it's a perfect exploration of artificial selection. And then we go back and we start to look at natural selection. 
Uh, we look at the story of how polar bears came to be. We go down on the microscopic molecular level and see how DNA works and see how new strands of DNA uh, are created and we see how certain proofreading errors happen resulting in a mutation. And in this particular instance, the mutation was a white fur coat instead of a brown one. And that became an advantage. That became an evolutionary advantage because the white-coated bears that would eventually become known as polar bears uh, could blend into the white landscape of that ice age, of that glacial period, uh, better than the brown bears. And they prospered, they had more young... They passed on the white fur coat gene, and they continued and continued and continued on. And then, over time, the brown bears and the white bears, like, just grew further and further and further and further and further apart until they became entirely different species. And that is used as an influence of natural selection. That is used as the explanation of natural selection, something that happens almost randomly over time as generation upon generation of a species adapts to its environment. And of course, we immediately go into the larger concept of evolution, the larger Darwinism, and specifically, Neil deGrasse Tyson does a great job of addressing criticisms to the theory of evolution. Addressing the people who completely dismiss evolution. No, 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 no. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. That's not how I was created. I'm not, I'm not evolved from filthy monkey men. I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not related to an ape. And Neil deGrasse Tyson just does a great job of explaining why those people who deny evolution are just fully wrong. Why those people are just uh, completely off base. Here's the scientific evidence. Here's all this stuff. Uh, here's a logical and concise and in-depth argument for every single point that gets brought up. He does a great job with it. And I love how he introduces it of just like, I know it can be embarrassing. It, it can be embarrassing because we're related to chimpanzees. Cut to chimpanzees being like uh, very disgusting and gross and <laughs> just being a general embarrassment <laughs> no one embarrasses you more than a relative <laughs> like i just love that uh but he just shuts that down very very beautifully and then we get this physical representation of all of life on earth uh being brought back to a common ancestor with the tree of life where the trunk is just all the common ancestors that we all evolved from and then all these branches and twigs like each representing a different species you see all these different points of divergence uh it's a great visual representation of how one species evolved from another evolved from another evolved from another evolved from a common ancestor uh and it's just this great representation of like, oh, yeah, we think we're superior, but we're just one of, like, a shit ton of species. We're one of many, 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 many different types of creatures on this planet, both now and before. Uh, and I also love this bit where we tell the story of how the eye evolved in nature. 
Like, way back from, like, bacteria first being able to absorb light uh, to the human eye. And a nice little touch is they kind of have the graphic representation of the creatures uh, and the cinematography and whatever on one side of the screen. And the other side of the screen, as we go from one organism to another, we see that creature's eye view. And it starts out, like, very, very blurry, out of focus. You can't really make much other than it's light or it's not. Uh, But then as the story goes on and as we go from creature to creature to creature, generation to generation to generation to generation, it starts to get sharper. It starts to get more in focus. And you literally see how eyesight evolved alongside Neil deGrasse Tyson just telling you what happened. And it's a great, like, it's a really nice touch. And I'm really glad they put that in. Uh, But you see from, like, bacteria to all these different types of fish, like... Little dimple that evolved into a socket that closed to like a pinpoint that got a lens put on top of it. Uh, and then eventually, the amphibians going out of the water, but light bends in a different way on land, and eyesight evolved to the water. So when they went on land, they kind of. It kind of became like out of focus and weird again, and. Evolution can't just say, no eyes no more, start again. Like, it's just like, it builds upon existing structures. So, every single generation since then, every single species since then, every single land species since then, I should say, uh, has been trying to get back to that point of just perfect fish eyesight. And we just never got there. Like, even our eyes are not as good as many fish. Like, Fish have better eyesight than us. (laughs) Because we originally evolved in the water, and then amphibious ancestors uh, came on land and garbled, and we're still playing catch-up, kinda. Uh, But it's just... It's fascinating. It's so utterly fascinating. And they handle that, they tell that story so well. And then we get to... Another really great construct from this version of Cosmos... The Halls of Extinction. The the monument to, like, the five big extinction events uh, that happened throughout the Earth's history. Uh, where just, like, mass, like, species just became extinct left and right. Like, most beings on this planet died. And basically the Earth kind of had to start from scratch, evolutionarily speaking. And we see the Permian period, I believe. It was, is it Permian? Yeah, it's Permian, uh, with the trilobites that dominated the planet, and we see, like, that giant extinction of just, like, uh, the big volcanic eruptions in what is now Siberia, uh, floods, flooding, and ash, uh, and lava, like, engulfing an area the size of Western Europe, uh, smoke filling the skies, and causing, like, a runaway greenhouse effect, uh, everything, like, Everyone suffocating on sulfur, like just this giant extinction event, this huge apocalyptic hellscape that formed and was still there for like thousands of years after. And we have that story, and that's great. And I also love this one little moment where Neil deGrasse Tyson, he shows us like, here are the big 
uh, hallways representing the big extinction events. That nameless corridor? That's for another day. And then just leaves. And, like, it's this very ominous, like, oh, we could go extinct at any moment. There could be a mass extinction event at any point. Oh, crap. (laughs) It's like this really, really ominous moment. Oh, and then, then Neil deGrasse Tyson starts talking about tardigrades. I love tardigrades. Tardigrades are awesome. They are so freaking cool. They can live in boiling water. They can live in solid ice. Uh, They can go 10 years without any water. Uh, they can live in space and be totally fine. Like, they are just, like, impervious to basically everything. They've survived every mass extinction event. Like, they've been going for, like, four billion years, or half a billion years, I should say. Four billion years ago is when life started to evolve. Half a billion is the tardigrade thing. I got my numbers mixed up. They've been going for half a billion years. Like, it's just, oh my god. Tardigrades are so cool. Tardigrades are so cool. Like, the joke is always, like, you can't kill cockroaches. The joke should be you can't kill freaking tardigrades. Tardigrades are freaking impervious to everything. (laughs) They are just... They are insane. Like, they are, like, nature's perfect creature, and I love them. Tardigrades are the best. (laughs) Tardigrades are so cool. Uh, And then Neil deGrasse Tyson, he takes us to Saturn's moon, Titan. And kind of speculates as to, like, okay, could this have life? We see this very different environment uh, where there is no oxygen. uh, It is extremely, extremely cold. So water is instantly frozen. There are, like, big lakes of, like, methane. Which, nor- which on Earth is a gas, but here it's a liquid. Uh, there's, like, methane rain, which is awesome. And it's like, okay, what would life here look like? And, like, how would their various biological processes work? And he kind of takes this Earth logic and says, like, how would this be different on Titan? Uh, and that's a really great bit that I really, really like. That type of really cool uh, educated speculation. And then we end this out, again, on another nice Carl Sagan tribute where they just play that animation of four billion years of evolution playing out in 40 seconds. Uh, They play that animation and put that on screen. And what's so great about this is, like, they literally just said, this is perfect There's no reason not to just put it in as is. To just put that segment in as is onto the new version of Cosmos. There's no reason to just take that 40 seconds and just put it in the show without comment. And just put like a little uh, Carl Sagan like remembrance bit at the very end there. It's like they literally just said if it ain't broke don't fix it. And I love that they did that because honestly they're right. That 4 billion years of evolution in 40 seconds bit, like, that's a perfect segment. That's a perfect visual descriptor of how life evolved on Earth. Like, how we 
came from a common ancestor. How we went from just sludge to humans. And they make a very good decision here. And it's just like, no, this doesn't need updating. This is a perfect visual. It will always be perfect. Let's just put it in there. Let's just put it in the new one without comment. And, and that'll be how the episode ends. Like, that was a very, very good decision on their part. That was an incredibly, incredibly good decision. Uh, and yeah, that's where the episode ends. Uh, great episode all around. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time. It feels inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468. And support the show, patreon.com slash thomasclark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's the work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, On Monday, we will be discussing Cosmos of Space-Time Odyssey, Episode 3. Talk to you then.